Welcome to Education Suspended, a podcast focused on exploring, engaging, and dialoguing with those in education who are passionate about changing the status quo and evolving the archaic system we have inherited. Education Suspended is a production of Intricate Roots Educational Consulting Services. Our editor and production manager is Katie Kunin. Our producer is Jamie Higa, and our music is provided by Poets Row. Hey everyone, welcome to Education Suspended. Jessica Fiverr here. Excited to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. This is another one of our reflective dissociation sessions where we sit down and just consolidate everything that we've heard and learned in the last four sessions. It's always good for Steve and I just to take some time and process everything. It's very easy to miss some of the insights and nuggets given on the episodes, even even when you're hosting it. So we might be coming from a place of selfishness, but hopefully you all find these episodes helpful as well. Thank you for listening. Thank you for helping this podcast grow. It's so cool to see how it is expanding so quickly. Please take care of yourselves, everybody. Thanks for all that you do and enjoy Education Suspended. Your hair's getting so long. Yeah, I got to get a cut, I suppose. No. I don't know. Look at my son. And then I have a son-in-law who looks the same. So I I don't know who's winning the contest. You are. Maybe I'll join him. Maybe I'll get some of this hair going. I don't even know what I would do if I ever saw you in a ponytail someday. It, It just wouldn't make it. Even when you were young, would it have made it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I can show you pictures then. Did you used to have long hair? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. I got to find my picture for you and send it. But when everybody sees my picture, it's my college freshman picture. And uh, I can show it to any kids and they'll say, oh, I didn't know Luke went to that school. I'll show it to you sometime, my friend. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's so funny. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dissociate. Let's reflect. So I, I even have some notes to reflect on. Like <laughs> I got three, I got three pages of notes here. We're gonna be here all night, Grainer. So our last four, we had Stephanie Brown, Jen Jackson, Jace Williams, and Alicia Garcia. And I didn't mean for that to happen, but three of them are three currently are principles. principles. <laughs> I noticed that. There was, and there continues to be this through line of caring for our adults. At this point, I'm feeling like a broken record. And I just actually got back from a big conference. Oh, yeah. And it's just, I don't know what you're hearing in districts, but it's it's early October. And, you know, teachers, I don't know. I feel like we can always do better. Always do better caring for our educators. And I find myself fluctuating between... I love these episodes of like, this is so inspirational. I love hearing the good things that people are doing. And then there's days that I'm just like, like, when are we going to do better? Yeah, right. You know, and the one theme that kept coming up that I thought was so fascinating, you and I have talked about it a lot, was both the need for self-care, but also sort of the fallacy of that charge to say, well, you got to take care of yourself first. You know, you kind of got an idea from all four of our people that, listen, that's asking a lot of our teachers right now. You got to do self-care when actually yourself isn't very healthy. So it's not about self-care. It's about, and we've said it many times, I'll say it again. It's about community care. Yeah. I feel like you were one of the first people that really kind of pushed that shift a couple of years ago that I heard in one of our calls. And it's, 
I still use that language, community care. But let's well, let's jump into Stephanie's. So you and I have had the privilege of actually knowing Stephanie for a while. I, I think I'll say this about, I think I do probably say this about all our guests, but I could just hang out with them and talk with them forever. She is so funny and so engaging. And I think that is probably what makes her such a strong leader. And this is a good lesson to all of us. This is a sweet vulnerability about Stephanie. Yeah. She is really not afraid to be herself. She's not afraid to own her mistakes. And she she brings a, a natural vulnerability to the conversation that, you know, it just engages you. I love that about Stephanie. And she's always been a relationships first person. Always. I think that's just who she is, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would matter where she was working or what she was doing. She's a people person. She's a people person. And then similar to, I think it was this season or last season when we also interviewed my friend Rachel, who has a mental health background. I feel like she is one of those principles that comes to the table that not just has the really good skill set at building relationships, but also understands the why behind it. Right. Really lean into that. And I'm not saying that every, listen, you know, we can stay in our lane. So I'm not saying that every administrator in the world needs to have a mental health background, but I do think it's interesting when they do have that, how that pays off. She brings all those layers. And I, I think that's what we hope for in, in lots of our principles. I think that was true of every one of our guests this time mm-hmm. is there's layers of experience and they know what it is to be in a classroom. Yep. And I, I love that about them because I'm that guy. I'm that classroom guy. But they, they know the mental health side. They've, if they didn't know it before, they've, they've learned it. Mm-hmm. They're all very astute when it comes to neurodevelopment and how that relates to mental health. Mm-hmm. I, I got a lot of that from Jen. <laughs> got a big yeah. kick out of her. Oh, you would have loved her. Let's, yeah, let's she, jump she, to she, Jen. I want to say one more thing. I will forget this about Stephanie. I had this like star in a, on my notes from her. I really appreciated how she... I don't know if you remember this, but she was talking about like, she really strategically makes sure that she gets to all the teachers. So she has their names out and checks them off. And I think there's something about, she's essentially collecting her own data to make sure that she's having positive interactions yeah. with her adults, which we ask our teachers to do all the time. And here she's doing it as an administrator, which I was like, that's genius. There is a level of accountability there. And it's, yeah. it's gotta be hard. Holding herself accountable yeah. um, to every person in the building, which, you know, it makes me shift right away to a, a, a similar thing with students in Jen Jackson's school mm-hmm. was the, the draft. Oh, my gosh. Where every kid is drafted or cared for. No kid is allowed to slip through the cracks. Every child is known by someone on that staff. And that is an intentional effort to connect with yeah. every child. I think Stephanie does that with adults too. Mm-hmm. She makes an intentional effort to connect with every adult. And I'm sure that's whether she feels a natural affinity to them or not. She's right. she's gracious and she's not going to miss anybody. Yeah. Well, let's, let's hop into Jen Jackson. Um, again, another principal, teacher for a long, long time. If I had to describe Jen in one word, it would be advocate. She is so passionate about advocating for all schools. It does not matter if she, if it's a student a thousand miles away, she is really, really working at a systems level to make the system equitable for all kids. Yeah. Yeah. I I sure got that from some of her comments, which I loved about standardized testing and Mm -hmm. the, the bias that we find in standardized tests. And, And that just got my brain going too about 
the business incursion into education and and how standardized testing is a big business. It's huge. And it's really hard to go against the very for-profit business of standardized testing. It's it's yeah. it's a battle. We don't totally poo-poo standardized tests. There's can be some things learned from them, but it, it's certainly not the high stakes level that it's gotten to. And the business model loves that because it has data and it has data that can uh, put pressure on teachers to do better. Now I'm gonna I'm going for the bait of standardized tests, <laughs> which I don't want to do. Yeah, it's and Jen talks about this to some degree. And you you have also talked about this, about how you've just felt, you felt the shift over your career. And by the time yeah. you left, like you're knee deep in all this data that you're like, this, what am I supposed to do with this? This is not what this education is about. And she says the same thing, right? Like one of the reasons she can get so many educators to stay is that she creates a culture around the teachers that she gives full agency back to the teachers. And to some degree, when that's given to them, they're like, whoa, what do I even do? Because for so long, that agency has been taken away because it's driven by these bullshit standard, you know, these scores that they're supposed yeah, to get. Say what it is. Cause that, that is what it is. Yeah. I remember as a veteran teacher growing up in a time where I was allowed to be very creative. Mm -hmm. I had plenty of agency from the get go as a teacher, which indeed I love because that's the kind of person I am. I don't want someone telling me what to do. I mean, I like some structure. I like a frame, but I want some freedom inside that frame. Yeah. I started to see younger people than me, even, even the children of some of my friends go into teaching and go to states, I won't name them, but I go to certain states where standardized testing was everything. And all of a sudden, they, they weren't even able to be teachers. They weren't even able to be creative. They were teaching to the test all the time because that's how districts got money. That's how people saved their jobs, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's going to change because right now there's not a line of people ready to fill these jobs. And if we don't give agency and creativity to upcoming young educators, we're not going to have them. And I think Jen addressed that so well. Absolutely. She even talks about like, by giving that agency and allowing teachers to fail, I think she used the term like, we fail up at our school. Failing is part of learning. It's that part of that cycle. And so by giving them the space to do that, they're building their own story. They're building their own narrative. Yeah. And, the, and the kids are seeing that as well, which is giving space for the kids to also fail up. There's nothing negative about that. I love that. And I love just the way you, you termed it. Clearly, failure is a better teacher than success. Yeah. It, it's yeah. hard to say that because who wants that? But we all know it's true. Mm -hmm. We learned our best lessons by failing. And then that led to more success. Obviously, that's where we want to go. But yeah, Jen, she made a really concerted effort to get that message across that yeah. we fail up. We know that you got to go backwards to go forwards a lot. And, and I think in our training too, we teach that. There is a time of disorder that teaches us to grow and get to a higher, a higher plane and a higher level. That's what I'm now you're getting me excited because that's what makes the that's the magic of teaching. It's failing and growing and, and then reaching kids at a higher level. And then you're going to fail again because you're going to try stuff. Yeah. But you got to try stuff. Well, and my mom always says, you know, like teaching is an art form. It should be a creative outlet. My mom was a college professor for what, 30 plus years, even in higher ed as a professor, she saw the creativity being taken away. That has to be given back to them. There's no, there, there's no way around it. We've just, something's got to shift. When, when teachers feel like artists, 
it's the best job in the world. When you feel like a pawn, it's the worst job in the world. Yeah. And if we yeah. want to bring talented young people with passion back into the field of teaching, we got to give them a creative license. Man, when you when you get to be creative and and have the freedom to fail, it is a wonderful job. I'm going to jump to to Jace's because you just said like when they feel like a pawn, which is a little ironic, right? In in Jace's story, which is similar to Jen's, but in Jace's story, he essentially had to take the role. I'm using quotation marks; no one can see it. He had to take the role of a of being a pawn to get the system off his back. And then when the system was off his back, they made such success that when the, you know when the government came back to audit them, they're like, "What the hell did you do? Yeah. How did you make this change?" And he goes, "I stopped being one of your pawns." And I did it our way. <laughs> it was just so ironic. He he pretended to be the pawn to get him off their back and then did it his own way. And I love how Jace infused his own cultural background to make that happen. His Maori culture spoke to him of community, number one. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's a maybe a, a better teaching culture on earth than the Maori community. When you really go back to the, the roots of it, Mm -hmm. It is so much about family and community and, and the extension of family and community. That has always impressed me about Jace's work in New Zealand is he was able to do that. He's able to channel who he is and the culture that he's a part of and turn it into, well, I mean, he was the principal of the year. I mean, he turned it into a, a hugely successful year and, and we know it's more than a year, mm -hmm. but where he was <laughs> once upon now recognized as one of the best principals in New Zealand. And you said that, but by really digging into his indigenous roots, he found the knowledge of why that culture is so strong and so rich. And then he utilized that. He utilized that knowledge to change the system that he was in. Thank you for even bringing that up. I loved his balance mm -hmm. of culture and science. He has become a student of kind of the neuroscience of learning and development. But at the same time, he can tie it to his indigenous culture because they've had these practices for centuries that lead to this mental health, spiritual health, family health. He's taking advantage of all of it. He's taking advantage of who he is. Yep. Take advantage of who you are and be able to express who you are in your in your teaching and your relationships with your staff that is a freedom that has gone missing that mm -hmm. i think we all get to help bring back yeah and i think you said at one point like finding the hidden cultures because i i'll never be in a setting again where a culture is hidden we have to find them and help these kids express that because if if there's any ounce that they're not able to express innately they will be wondering, do I, do I really truly belong? And you know, yeah. learning can't happen. Oh man, doesn't it just dredge up the treatment in many civilized countries where we tried to make everyone the same Yeah. and take away culture and take away language, individual expression. Those days are over. I certainly hope. I mean, I gotta be honest, like hearing you say that, and I'm thinking about where we're at right now as a culture, it's like, are those days over? We got, we've got book bands coming back. We've got yeah. all this shit coming back. And it's like, we, what what direction are we are we headed? We are at an extremely pivotal point. And we've got to make our voices heard. And Jay said it. We 
we lead the change by modeling the change. And, you know, it's this, I, I love this podcast. It is spreading so fast and everyone, I guarantee, whatever their role is, wants the system to change. So yeah. we, we model that, we get our voices out there, we advocate, and we don't stop. This is just one small way to begin to hold everyone accountable that makes these policies. So, and I think that's actually a really good connection from Jace into Alicia because Jace talks about in the context of leading that change, he brings that really strong indigenous lens and Alicia, I mean, I think the title of her episode, right? Is like, it's all, it's the solutions in the circle. circle. Yeah. (laughs) I was just going to bring that up too. It's it's a different, it's a different symbol. It's a different symbol. And she, you know, she talked about leading that change by really pushing for a systemic, like the need to heal the system across the board. That communal healing is so important. That collective healing has to happen. Has to happen. There was a point in her talk where she was talking about connecting to families. Mm -hmm. And and what I wrote down in my notes was reciprocal responsibility is so respectful. Isn't that, isn't that true? You know, to actually put responsibility and agency into the family as well. Mm -hmm. She was talking about, and and that giving them responsibility, not just lip service, Mm -hmm. but we truly need you as a partner in this work. Mm-hmm. family and and in doing that she was so respectful of who they are even getting there and that's what i liked about her theme of this restorative lens and she and i talked about this and and you uh, you would have loved to connect with her she's phenomenal but she highlights you know it's kind of like jay said enough of this token stuff enough mm-hmm. of this oh let's let's label this oh we do this she she comes at it so systemically that you don't have an option to say, oh yeah, well, our school does restorative practices. It's like, really? Do you? She understands the generational impact. You can't do restorative practices if the generation behind the child that you're looking at has never felt like they belong. There's nothing to restore. So from your perspective, that story was perfect because she's able to get that by trying to take accountability for the system get get that restorative peace and understand of all the transgressions and that was that story with the with the parent of like yeah you know these parents shared their awful life with education and so no wonder they don't want to partner with an educational system why would they which just pushes the point of how important it is that we make different connections with these families yeah, yeah we realizing have. that they have had generations of failure and bullying and and the other things that the system kind of laid on them yeah and so much a feeling of being less than mm-hmm. she was flipping that on its ear in a in a beautiful way yeah i think she said we have to disrupt the patterns right disrupt the generational patterns you know again restorative the, the the just the word restorative is in that relational context means that it is reciprocal and we by disrupting the pattern we're the ones that have to restore with these families they don't need to come to us no we and she said oh i'm gonna break bread with these families i'm gonna go knock on their doors i'm gonna go where they feel safe and that might be miles away from the school yeah i yeah i i boy that break bread means a lot doesn't it mm-hmm um, she said, we're, we're going to break bread. We're going to do something authentic together. Mm-hmm. And we'll do it in a place that is, has a sense of innocence about it or, mm-hmm. you know, not what they're used to. Because it's hard to break those beliefs and structures when they've been put in place for 
generations, right? Yeah. When she shared her story about her first day in kindergarten, I was, I, I got choked up. I got choked up when she was sharing about her first day as a student. Oh yeah. And she said, I wrote it down. She goes, um, they learned my name through shame. Yeah. And I was like, holy buckets. Like, I can't like, that's the story of so many kids that we just, and it's often our marginalized kids, right? How, how could anyone, e how could anyone even treat a child with that level of rejection? Day one on kindergarten thinking, I'll make sure this child is compliant for the rest of this mm -hmm. year. And, and she will learn nothing. Yeah. Not that she didn't learn school stuff, but she didn't learn the human stuff that she needed. But she, she has now. She hasn't. She she learned it in high school, right? When she had that swim coach that yeah. took time to have that relationship and say, listen, you're smarter than the system. You're smarter than these people. Go get them. It was reciprocal. It was reciprocal. It was it was a, a, a teacher given back. And I do I do want to say it. I've been trying to say this a lot because I, I fully recognize wherever I go, and even on this podcast, that I... I mean, that's why I think you and I do so well together. I tend to be a little bit of like, we have to, I don't want to cuss too much, shake the shit up. I am so done. And you have such a good ability to come from a lens of grace, which is why I love you, right? Like we really balance each other out. I'm being very intentional these days of saying, I don't ever want to come across it. I'm, I'm blaming any teacher because I've been there. I've been a, a horrible person with students before, right? I come to, I mean, to school, I'm stressed. I, I intervene with a kid. I'm like, that, I just totally took the power. I totally engaged in the power differential. Yeah. So I don't want to come across that like I'm critical of the field of education and of our educators and, and all of us that work in it. I think for me, I understand that nine times out of 10, the harm that we cause day to day as individuals is unintentional. When we're doing these things, we're not meaning to do it. We, we just don't, a lot of people don't know better. They haven't gotten the training that's appropriate to run the classroom, to manage the behaviors that we, you know, Jay said it. He said, I, I was thrown in after I graduated and that's when I learned it. Yeah. I do, however, hold the system accountable. I think that there, and, and that's what Jen and I were talking about. I don't have a lot of grace for the system because I think there's a, a well clear intention to keep the marginalized people down. <laughs> so I, I don't know why that came up. I just feel sometimes I come across pretty intense. You, you make a really good point. It isn't a criticism of individual teachers or, or, or anyone involved in the educational community that's a part of a school. It, it really isn't that. It really is a matter of bucking the system's hard because the system is, you know, it's built for what it's built for. It's built to create workers for profit. It's not built, it, it, let's, let's say it wasn't built for creative expression of individuals. Certainly not when I went to school. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I had the wonderful teachers that allowed that and fostered it and knew it, but the system itself wasn't, wasn't made for that was really made to turn out, you know, decent workers who were, you know, were morally upright or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there were good things, many good things about school and many good things about my schooling, but the system, I, I, I don't believe was one of those. I, I think the system, and we've had a podcast in the past, we saw how schools are built. They look like hospitals and prisons. It was built to be utilitarian. It was built to serve wealth. 
Yeah. And that it's not holding up. Yeah. It's yeah. just not holding up. Kind of going back to Alicia, one thing she said, which I loved, and it does come again to the point of freedom of expression. Yeah, everyone, everyone you inter when you interview as a teacher, they all want to know how you're going to manage your class. You know, what's your classroom management style? Or, you know, or, and, and they all want you to be tough. At least that was my experience. Mm -hmm. But she, she had a whole different take on it. She said management is done best by engagement. And engagement is done best by creativity and and being able to be yourself, your authentic self as a teacher. You don't have many problems when you have engagement. You have a crap load of problems when you have management. And I thought she expressed that really well. And it, it just fits with all four of these people. Mm -hmm. They're engagers. They are not yeah. managers. Yeah. That theme of agency, that theme of power and control. That's how they do it. They give, they give it away. It's not theirs to hold on to. Right. I, I just love that. Just that saying, I had to write it down. I was out walking and I said, I got to write this down. Engagement more than management. I know that worked as a teacher. I had one rule, Jessica, in my class, one rule. It was respect. That was the, that was the only rule. It was the only rule we needed. But how did we get that done? We did it with engagement. And I had the principles that allowed me to be me you know, the creative kind of person I wanted to be. They, they not only did they not question it, they fostered it, they encouraged right. it. And management wasn't an issue. When engagement is in place, management is not an issue. There's something else, and, and it could have been Jen. I, I think it was, but it could have been any of these, any of the four, because they, they not that they were alike, but they, they had the same wonderful ideas. And she said, why are we afraid of kids? Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're just kids. These 17-year-olds, they're just kids. They like to play with balloons. And of course, you don't. I, I found that out that you you, you, you like balloons and clowns are not your okay. thing. I don't think. Okay, we're uh, done. Okay, let's wrap it up because <laughs> I'll start popping a balloon. But Oh, my God. I've seen it with adults, too. Yeah. Everybody likes to play. And, and, and that was, you know, part of her. Like, what, what are you afraid of? These are kids. She had, um, we are jumping back to Jen real quick, but the paper plate award, it was yeah. just something so playful so authentic and during covid these 17 18 year olds 19 year olds had the paper plates up on their wall that they had won it's a paper plate and they loved it there was joy in it there was curiosity in it even going back to alicia's right there was that relational context i mean that paper plate started representing a generational shift that paper plate was disrupting the system saying no yeah. you belong there's a space for you and you brought up that three-letter word that should fill education, right? Joy. Joy. Yeah. Um, where there's no joy, the system cannot cannot manage. It, no. it, it's going to fall apart. Yeah. But where there's joy, there's fruit, and kids are learning. And maybe as important as that is teachers are happy. Teachers are they're filled. Honestly, it is the most fulfilling job in the world when you get to be your authentic self. I, I, I couldn't think of a better one. Yeah. Well, thanks to all our guests for the last, um, the last four episodes. If you haven't listened to all of them, please go check them out. Thanks to all you, the listeners. I mean, we are, what is this? I think this is our 43rd 
episode, this reflective dissociation session, which is nuts. This podcast continues to grow because of all of you just talking about it. And because probably I threw a sticker at you on the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. And again, I cannot say enough. If you know people out there that have stories to share that are changing the system, send them to us. This is, this is how it's happening. Alicia reached out because she is doing something amazing and wants to share. It has a great story. Do not hesitate to reach out. That's how the system changes. Stories will change the system if there's enough of us and our voices are out there. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Greener, I'm so glad to have you back. We missed you. Well, it's good to be back. I had, had a little uh, health issues to deal with, but I'm on the better side of that. Better and side. so I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be around for a while. I know. And I'll drive up to Minnesota and give you a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you, you love my wild hair. Just say I it. do. I do like when you have long hair. I do look like a, okay. a rock and roll star, a yeah, rock I'll and roll star. Gonna... What am I? 90? <laughs> God. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, I think that right. should finish the podcast. Dr. Rollstar, what am I, 90? Done. <laughs> Done. And right, everybody. Yeah, we clearly were dissociating. Thanks for listening. Um, oh, yeah. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. And take care of yourselves, y'all. Fall is, fall is upon us. So enjoy the weather. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. Take care, my friend. <laughs>